Welcome back to the Amazing Maine Podcast, the unofficial podcast of Maine's culture, history, people, and places, and anything else that you and I find interesting about the amazing state of Maine. Please visit our website, AmazingMainePodcast.com. There you will find links to all social media accounts, blog posts. You can subscribe by email so you never miss an episode, you never miss a blog post, all kinds of other information, and links to some sponsors. So please head on over to the website. You'll find all kinds of good information there. And speaking of the website, what's going on in Maine? Well, my latest blog post covers that. Uh, It'll be just below the post for this episode. And that covers housing prices in my area. Now, let me give you a bit of a background on what it's like to sell a house in this part of Maine. And when I'm saying this part of Maine, if you don't remember, it's in Oxford County, which is in the western part of the state, or the western Maine mountains, not too far from the New Hampshire border. Recently, housing prices have jumped in certain areas up to 30% above normal in this area, which is huge. That is very, very big for a rural area like this. Right around me, I can point to several homes that either have sold recently or families have moved into their summer homes or are on the market that haven't been on the market in the past. Prior to the quarantine, I could walk you around town and show you houses that stayed on the market for up to two years before they were sold. Selling a house up here is not an easy thing until recently. Why is that? Well, thanks to COVID-19, lots of people are getting out of cities and they're moving to more rural areas especially with being able to work from home, that sort of thing, remote schooling. Uh, Again, I know several families that have done that. They've got a family home up here that they kind of used as a ski house or a summer home. They've moved here now, and they're doing their schooling from here, or they've enrolled in the local school, and the parents are working from home, and they're just trying to stay out of uh, more highly populated areas. It's a bit strange that in years past we've been talking about how do we get the school enrollment up. We have a very small elementary school here where a few of my kids go, and enrollment was always an issue. People were moving away, not people with kids weren't moving into the area. Well, the school enrollment has shot up recently. Several new kids have been enrolled, and apparently all it took was a global pandemic. No one ever suggested that at any of the school board meetings, but that is what has happened. So if you'd like to read more about that, head on over to the website and check out that blog post. A few things that are coming to the podcast. Well, one is podcast recommendations. Now, this is kind of a common thing amongst podcasters. If you're a podcast junkie like me, you tend to talk about the podcasts that you like and see what podcasts other people like to listen to. And at the end of my coming episodes, starting today, actually, I am going to give you a podcast recommendation. I'm going to give you one that I listen to that I really like and that I tend to listen to almost every episode. That's going to be kind of my cutoff. There's a number of podcasts I listen to that, you know, maybe I listen to one or two or half the episodes. Those I'm not really going to talk about. I'm going to talk about the ones where I almost never miss an episode because those are the ones that are really, I guess, special to me or that I feel really engaged in. They cover a lot of different genres. There's a little bit of news in there. There's a lot of true crime. True crime podcasting is pretty huge. There are some business podcasts in there. There's some history podcasts in there. They tend to be smaller, more independent shows. Uh, I don't really go for the larger podcasts that tend to be overproduced and a lot of sound effects and things like that. Lots of dramatic music or whatever in the background. So I'm going to talk about those. I'm going to tell you who the podcaster is. I'm going to tell you why I like the podcast and just give you a general idea of maybe why you should consider listening to it. None of these are paid. None of these are any kind of... uh, specific reciprocal agreement. Some of them are people that shared my trailer uh, early on. 
uh, because they are podcasters that I engage with. But I'm going to do that. So at the end of each uh, episode, stay tuned after the closing, and you will hear a podcast recommendation given by me. And I hope you give them a listen. Another thing that is coming to the podcast, main memories. Now, I talked about this in an episode a while back. Basically, what I would really like to do is I want to hear your main stories. If you're from Maine and you had a great experience in the state, or if you're not from Maine but you came here on an amazing vacation or even a terrible vacation and it's still a great story, I want to hear it. Uh, I will find a way to get it here on the podcast. I'd really love it if you tell the story. And if you're a little nervous and worried, well, geez, how do I record something and send it to you, don't worry. Shoot me an email, amazingmainepodcast at gmail.com, and I will tell you exactly how you can record that story. I'll edit it. I'll put it into the podcast. All you have to do is sit down and tell your story, whatever it is. Maybe you went on a great fishing trip in Maine, and it just was the greatest time of your life. Maybe you used to come to some specific camping spot in Maine with your family every summer, like I used to do. Maybe you were stationed in Maine in the military, and you just want to talk about what it was like way back when. Anything like that. You went to college here. You lived here for all your life, and you're try- or most of your life, and you're trying to get back. Anything like that. Give me those main memories. I want to share them with all the other listeners. I've got a few of you already interested. I appreciate that. There is going to be a main memory today in the podcast, so stay tuned for that. That'll be coming up just after a few other things. So thank you. Be thinking about what main memory you'd like to send and what you'd like to hear on the podcast. So our main fact for this episode, Maine is one of only two states that split their electoral votes in a presidential election. Now, don't worry. Don't anyone freak out. This is not a political podcast. I am not going down some big political road or anything like that. But it is an interesting main fact. Now, Nebraska is the other state. We're not going to talk about Nebraska, of course. This is not a Nebraska podcast. I've never been to Nebraska. Sorry for anyone that is listening from Nebraska. I don't think I have any Nebraska listeners. If I do, please let me know. Now, if you didn't pay attention in civics class or you never had civics class, or if you're an international listener... Actually, I don't know if I have any international listeners. That'd be very interesting. Now, uh, Jacinth, you're from Australia, but you live in North Carolina, so you don't count. But with that said, if you don't understand how our electoral college system, which is what we use to elect a president, I will give you a very, very brief intro. Basically, when you vote in your state for president, you're not directly voting for the president. You're voting for electors to cast votes from your state for the president. So it's kind of a two-step process. How states do that is up to them, and they break it up in a bunch of different ways. Now, in Maine, they break it up like this. There's two congressional districts in Maine. There is the first congressional district, which is the southern coast of Maine. And if you kind of imagine a map of the state, you can look at my logo. It goes from the lower left corner of the state, where the state meets New Hampshire, goes about halfway up the coast and goes into the state about a county or two deep. So it's basically the southern coastal portion of the state. That's the most populous area of the state. That is the first congressional district. The second congressional district is everything else. So Maine has four electoral votes based on population. We're a very low population state, right around a million people. We have four electoral votes, one electoral vote, goes for each congressional district. So the first congressional district gets an electoral vote. So whoever they vote for by a popular vote in that district, that person gets one electoral vote. Same with the second congressional district. The other two electoral votes go to whoever, by popular vote, 
gets the, the entire state at large. So, as a matter of history, in the 2016 presidential election, Hillary Clinton won the first congressional district, so she got an electoral vote. Donald Trump won the second congressional district, so he took an electoral vote. And then Hillary Clinton won the state at large, so she got an additional two electoral votes. So out of four, Maine's four electoral votes, Hillary Clinton got three and Donald Trump got one. Why mention 2016? Well, it's the first time since 1828 that we had split our electoral votes in the state of Maine. That's pretty amazing. It's actually, and it's also the first time since the split by congressional district had been instituted in 1972. Prior to that, they split it up, I believe, by counties, but don't quote me on that. But basically, it was the first time in a long time in many, many elections that Maine had split its electoral votes. Now, what's going on with the 2020 election? Well, Donald Trump is hoping to repeat or improve that, obviously. He has been campaigning in the state. Joe Biden's people want to take the whole state if they can, obviously. They've been campaigning here, but Trump has been hitting the second congressional district, and some members of his family have been there. We'll see how it all plays out. So will all of you. You'll prob- most of you will probably be watching. But that is Maine's interesting fact for today, that we actually split up our electoral votes rather than giving all of them to one particular candidate or the other. So, the first main memory for the podcast. I'm going to introduce you briefly, and then he's going to take it away, to Mr. Scott Fuller. Now, Scott has a great Maine connection. He doesn't live in Maine. He lives way, way out in the West. Um, He'll tell you more about that. But he used to spend his summers in Maine. Scott is also a radio host and a podcaster. He has a bunch of great podcasts, which I'm going to tell you more about at the end of this podcast. So not only is he doing our first main memory, but his podcasts are going to be the very first podcast recommendation. So make sure that you stay tuned after the closing, and you'll hear more about his podcasts. Hello, my name is Scott Fuller, and I'm a podcaster as well as a podcast listener. I'm a fellow listener of this great podcast, The Amazing Main Podcast, and I've been invited on to share with you some memories and some personal connections, I guess, with the state of Maine and me, and there are too many to list, so I've had trouble narrowing it down to just one or two, but I'll try. Um, grateful for the opportunity to mention my other podcasts as well. I host three, soon to be four other podcasts, all in the true crime space. Frozen Truth was my first, and season two of Frozen Truth deals with a case from the state of Maine, the Ayla Reynolds disappearance. I also host a podcast called Status Pending with a partner, and a third show that I produce monthly is called Dead and Gone in Wyoming, which deals with disappearances and murders from that great state as well. Soon to be a fourth edition of that resume, I'm a volunteer team member for a website that's called findjody.com. It was founded by journalists and former police investigators dealing with just one case, the disappearance of Jody Husentrude, who was a news anchor who disappeared in 1995 in Iowa. So we'll have a Find Jody official podcast coming your way very soon as well. So my assignment here was to reflect on one or two stories, one or two events that really connected me to Maine or that that really shape what the state of Maine means to me in my own life. And I can't do it. I can't narrow it down to just one or two. My family has a long history. I was very fortunate, so lucky, as a kid to be able to go out to Maine for entire summers. I grew up in Colorado. 
which is beautiful in its own right, with the mountains and the fresh air and the blue skies. I grew up at 9,000 feet elevation, 9,000 feet above sea level. I had a very unique, outdoorsy, you know, upbringing that I took for granted, just like every kid. But Maine was the opposite of that. Maine was, you know, still beautiful, but you get the ocean and its sea level and the air, the salt air and the old American culture of the East Coast that I wasn't as familiar with which is everything from the architecture to the economy to the way of life in Maine, which is unique. So before I was born, my father bought, this property still exists, you can rent cottages on it. Uh, He bought Lawton House, which is a fairly large house, but it's surrounded by four or five cabins that my father would rent out to vacationers during the summer, and he would sort of be the caretaker during the summer of those properties. And so my sister and I and my mom, we'd go all go out there, and we got to spend six or eight weeks in Maine on the coast. And the, uh, the Pemaquid area, the Pemaquid region, is, such, is so much fun, especially for kids. Uh, the big beach, the Pemaquid beach, we were just 100 feet away from that. We could walk right down. And then there's the Pemaquid Lighthouse, one of the most high-profile lighthouses in the states, if not the country, is right there. There's also an old historic fort, which I believe is a Civil War fort, uh, Fort William Henry. I think it's Fort William Henry. And there's there's a pier in Pemaquid Harbor. There are a couple of, of harbors right there nearby that you can you know, practically ride your bike to. And if you want to get in the car, there are, you know, within driving distance. Uh, Damerscott is one of the most picturesque towns in Maine. Very underrated. They filmed the movie, um, what was that movie they filmed there? Paul Newman movie. I can't remember now off the top of my head. It'll come to me. Uh, Message in a Bottle was filmed in uh, Damerscott, much of it. Kevin Costner and Paul Newman. Anyway, you can also drive to Round Pond. Uh, We used to love to get in the car and drive just a little bit further to Wiscasset. And Moody's Diner, which is still there. You can enjoy a meatball sandwich and blueberry pie at Moody's. Just the whole main coast. And my experiences would evolve over time because I actually live there full time. And it's a much different thing to live in Maine full time, as those of you who do know. Uh, the winters are a lot less picturesque. The weather is not as nice in the winter as it is in the summer. And the state of Maine itself has some, just some economic realities and some cultural realities uh, that are, are struggles right now. And those haven't gotten much better. Those struggles haven't alleviated in the last 10 or 20 years. So working there, holding down a job there, living there um, is much different you know, than, than your childhood years of vacation land. But when it became clear, my parents eventually got divorced, but when it became clear that uh, my dad would not be holding on to that property, my mom then bought a cabin on a a lake inland, a little bit inland from Camden. And I'll be out there this summer uh, for vacation for a week or so with my own family. So I get to, as I enjoyed Maine as a child, I get to pass that on in a different way to my own kids. My, My wife and my two kids will be out there at that cabin with the rest of my family this summer. So I can't, I'm not sure if I can tell one or two stories, uh, you know, that um, specifically because I spent so much of my life in Maine from childhood to adulthood uh, on up. I could definitely tell a, a couple of funny stories and a couple of sad stories. But in just the a couple of minutes I have here with you, I would say my, my favorite memory of the state of Maine was my childhood that I spent out there every summer for six or eight weeks to be able to Leave Colorado and go to this whole different world on the coast with the food, with the fishing, just the fun that you can have riding your bike around these fun, unique places when you're 8, 10, 12 years old. 
those are probably my favorite memories of uh, Maine, which continues to be an amazing place, a special place for me, and I hope it will continue to be for my family for many, many years to come. Thanks very much for sharing your memory, Scott, and thank you all for listening. And by the way, if you can't tell, I am on a new microphone, trying to figure out all these different audio settings and really get it working. So if any of you audiophiles out there want to comment on how good it sounds, how bad it sounds, if I've got the mic position right, if I'm overdriving the microphone or doing any of those things, I'm not real good with all this stuff. So any comments would be helpful. Does it sound good? Does it not sound so good? Let me know. Thanks very much. Reach out on social media. Send me an email. Comment on the website. I appreciate it, folks. Okay, so now we can get to the very first podcast recommendation by me to you. And I'm going to recommend all of the podcasts I listen to by our main memory uh, contributor, Scott Fuller. Uh, I listen to three of his podcasts, and I think he's got four, possibly five. Why am I talking a little bit about Scott Fuller here uh, after the closing and everything? Well, Scott's a really good guy. He's helped me. He's given me some good advice. Uh, He's very approachable. And... I think he has one of the best voices in podcasting. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that in his uh, in his men, main memory, but he has a storytelling voice like no other. Um, there's some really good voices on some of these podcasts I will bring to you, but Scott's is right up there. Uh, it's a little bit of some mystery, but also uh, very caring. If I had to make a ridiculous comparison of his voice, it would be like Robert Stack, the guy from Unsolved Mysteries back in the 80s and 90s, and Tony Robbins, the self-help guru, had a love child. Uh, that would be, you know, kind of the, the combination of the voice there. Uh, but yeah, Scott really has an excellent storytelling voice. You can tell the uh, passion that he has for the cases that he covers in his true crime podcasts, but you can also uh, really get pulled in very quickly to the stories he's telling. He's, he's just excellent. So I really enjoy listening to all three of these that I'm going to share with you now. The first is the one that got me hooked into his whole podcasting realm. And that was a podcast called Frozen Truth. You can find it on Apple Podcasts. You can find all of these on all the major podcasting apps. Frozen Truth talks about, uh, it's a deep dive podcast. So he doesn't do a different case each episode. He covers it in seasons. And his first season was on a case that I I honestly can't remember where I first heard about it. It might have been on a TV documentary. But it was the case of Amy Roe Bechtel. And Amy Roe Bechtel is a woman who went missing when she was out for a jog. To, I won't give it too much away. You should listen to the first season of Scott's uh, podcast to cover that. But it's a very strange case. It's literally one of these cases where someone just seems to have vanished. And there's some theories, of course. Uh, there is some strange behavior or what some people think is some strange behavior by her husband. It really is one of those weird stories where someone just went out for a normal day, never came home, and they have no trace of this person. And, you know, it's very, very concerning. The second season covers a case from Maine, and that is the very sad case of Ayla Reynolds. If you don't know this case, I recommend you listen to season two, where it covers uh, Ayla was a young uh, child uh, who went missing also. Uh, Some blood was found in her father's, uh, where her father was living. Her father was caring for her the evening she went missing. And 
unfortunately, there's very little information as to what happened to her. The people in the house are not very helpful with the investigators. It's a heart-wrenching case, like all of these, but this one a little, may possibly a little bit more because it is a small child. So if you're interested in Maine true crime, I definitely recommend you listen to the second season of Frozen Truth. Season 3 covers the fairly well-publicized disappearance of Jody Husentrue. She was a television anchor out in Mason City, Iowa, who was late for work one morning, went out to get in her car, and disappeared. And hours later, they found her car, and her keys were on the ground, some of her other personal items were on the ground, and she was nowhere to be seen and hasn't been seen since. And this was back in the 90s. Apologize, the year escapes me right now. Really bizarre case. Uh, no one saw her uh, disappear. No one saw what happened to her. It's very pretty well established that she was taken by force or that there is some foul play there. A very well-covered case, a very good deep dive. And that season leads to yet another one of Scott's podcasts we'll get to in a moment. His second podcast that I listened to, Dead and Gone in Wyoming, obviously covers all kinds of disappearances and murder cases in Wyoming. Wyoming is a, uh, it's a fascinating state. It's someplace I really would like to visit someday just for the pure rural nature of it and the beauty of it. And there's all kinds of cases there that do not get very good publicity, probably because it is such a, a rural state. Scott covers these uh, incredibly well, goes into all kinds of strange disappearances and things uh, that have gone on in Wyoming, so I recommend that one as well. And then the last one on Scott's list uh, that I uh, listen to virtually every, well, I have, I have listened to every episode of, is the Find Jody podcast. Find Jody is completely dedicated to the Jody Hoosentrout case. FindJody.com is a website that was set up by some fellow news anchors and people in the television industry to help find their colleague, Jody Hoosentrout. So if you want to get more information on that and you want to follow that case because there are actual recent developments and some strange things that have happened out in Mason City, Iowa, regarding the Jody Hoosent Truth case, I recommend not only listening to Season 3 of Frozen Truth so that you get all the details, but subscribe to the Fine Jody podcast so that you can keep up to date with what's going on and learn even more details from some of her friends and people that were involved in the search for her and involved in the case uh, to this day. So thanks very much. Listen to those recommendations. Do you have any? Well, please put them on social media. Well, I'm going to have this uh, post up. Uh, please comment. Please share what podcasts you like to listen to. And remember, go on over to the website, amazingmainpodcast.com. You can share them there as well. Bye-bye, folks.